Well, good morning. Uh, I send you greetings from Crossroads Church of Dubai. Our church are regularly praying uh, for Grace Evangelical Church Sharjah and to your pastor, Pastor Anan, and all the elders and members of this church. It is a great joy to be here once again to serve you God's word. I'm happy to be here with you worshiping on a Sunday morning. It's been a while since I have worshiped on a Sunday morning because our church worships on a Friday evening. How did that happen? Well, I have no idea, but it's working for us. <laughs> really, I'm happy to be here. Speaking of happiness, are you happy? What makes you happy? Or what makes you happy living in the UAE? Let's let this question sit for a while. A similar question was posted in the November 2016 article of Gulf News, where they asked their readers what makes them happy in the UAE. And I've listed some of them, but not all of them. And here's what the, some of the things I've listed. Some said, I'm happy because of the freedom that the expatriate gets here. Others say, I'm happy because of the easy living, the commuting, not paying taxes. This is 2016. Okay. Multicultural friends and tolerance. I'm happy because there is hardly any crime. I can sleep well at night. What makes me happy is that my baby was born here. The people and the cleanliness, everything is systematic. Shopping, shopping, and shopping. I love finding good deals when shopping, especially in Dubai. Some would say finding and taking opportunities. There's also one that says, I just want to be happy. Friends, does this describe you? Did you leave your home country in order to find happiness or provide happiness to loved ones back at home? We always want to be happy, and so we pursue happiness in any way we could. We want to be happy even we want to be happy, and if, if we're not happy, we try to look happy. Is this you today? Our passage this morning is Psalm 1. And it is said that it's a gateway into the entire collection of the 150 song, psalms. It highlights that if the people of God are to worship him, they should embrace his word or the Torah. As we look at this wisdom psalm this morning, we will see what true happiness is and beyond. And we will consider that true happiness is found by those whose delight is in the word of the Lord. Open your Bibles with me to Psalm 1. Psalm chapter 1. And I will be reading from verses 1 to 6. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat, seat of scoffers. 
but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Let's go to time of prayer once again. Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart and our hearts be honoring and glorifying to you, O Lord, our Savior. Amen. As mentioned, we want to be happy. And, we, and unfortunately, we do what it takes to be happy. We try to find it in, in a lot of areas. But could this outward expression of cheerfulness and glee mask our desperate hearts that long for an eternal joy and delight? This is what we're going to look at in this psalm, that we have, been, we have divided into four headings. Number one, what is true happiness? Number two, where to find true happiness? Number three, what is the fruit of true happiness? And number four, how to get true happiness? What it is, where to find it, what is its fruit, how to get it. Number one, what is true happiness? Look at verse one. Blessed is the man. Blessed, let's stop right there. Blessed here means happiness. In the Christian Standard Bible, it translates how happy is the one. So the word means happy. In the Hebrew language, there is more to this than mere happiness. It is used in the plural form, which means a couple of things. Number one, it means fullness of happiness or more happiness. Uh, Psalm chapter 47 gives an example of this when the psalmist said, you put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and wine abound. He is saying God gives more happiness to him than wine and food can offer. This This also tells us that the word can provide us happiness. The world can provide us happiness, but God's happiness is better because it provides us more than happiness. It is more than anything that this world can offer us. So the nature of this happiness or blessedness doesn't just mean more happiness, but it also means, second, a variety, a variety of happiness. It means this type of happiness can be experienced in different circumstances in life. It can be experienced in a time of rejoicing, as Deuteronomy 33.29 tells us. And even during times of intense suffering, as Paul said in 2 Corinthians 6.40.10. So the nature of true happiness is not based on external circumstances. 
It can exist in hard times because this happiness is based on something more deeper, more nourishing, which we'll see later in this passage. If this is the nature of true happiness, where do we find it? We move to our second point. Where to find true happiness? Where does the blessed man find happiness? Well, the psalmist answered this in two contrasting ideas, which is both in the negative and in the positive. In the first verse, it tells us where it is not found. Look at verse 1 again. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Walk, stand, sit. These three imageries draw the attention to the realms of listening to the wicked, behaving like the wicked, and associating with the wicked. The blessed man is careful not to fall from these sequential traps that leads to becoming more and more ungodly, more and more wicked. Years ago, a pastor friend of mine told me that one of his deacons one night brought home a female member at his home and told his wife that he is leaving her because both him and this woman believe that their relationship is God's will. If you are that spouse, you would probably faint. How did this tragic situation start? Well, it began from what seems to sound like a good yet godless advice from non-believing friends. They listened to it, pursued the relationship, enjoyed it, and because their hearts were so calloused in, with sin, they continued the relationship and mocked those who opposed it. Friends, where do you go for counsel? Do we go to a quick Google search for self-help strategies or from non-believing friends for counsel who only say the things that we would like to hear? Friends, I encourage you to seek godly advice. I urge you to not hesitate to seek the counsel of your elders. They are gifts from the Lord Jesus Christ to his bride, to his church, to Grace Evangelical Church. They are here to watch and care for your souls. The truly happy man in Psalm 1 does not take pleasure in listening to evil and foolish advice from the wicked, nor does he go to them for guidance. He does not adopt the value system of the world, nor its cultural norms and lifestyles. He does not find the wicked man's jokes amusing, nor he finds their means of recreation entertaining. He simply avoids the participation of their way of life. The blessed man has no interest in worldly 
happiness. He avoids it because it is wicked, sinful, foolish. It is momentary, fleeting, useless, destructive, and leads to a lethal ending. Friends, where do you search for your happiness? What shapes your happiness? Where is it grounded, rooted on? The blessed man is not shaped, nor does he take delight by anything in this world. So where does he take delight on? Well, it's in verse 2. His delight is in the law of the Lord. And on this law, he meditates day and night. Why does the blessed man take no counsel from the wicked? Simply because he takes counsel from the greatest source of wisdom, God's word. The blessed man has God's word as its foundation. Everything he does revolves around the word of God. His delight is in the law of the Lord. He meditates on it day and night. Now, when we say meditation, we're not talking about some type of Eastern Mediterranean meditation technique, okay? Where we sit in in a particular posture, we fold our feet where we close our eyes. There are some that I hear, you relax your facial muscles. How do you do that? Relaxing your facial muscles. Slowly breathe in the positives. Breathe out the negatives. Empty your mind. Some would open this, this sound that sounds like a river. And then start chanting, um. Mm, If that was me, I would fall asleep. Too much relaxation for me. (laughs) Friends, this is not biblical meditation. Biblical meditation is not emptying our mind, but filling our minds with God's word. Meditating on God's word takes intense discipline it's not easy i I remember reading one one of piper's john piper's article that there are some days that he tries to read the bible and he got nothing he tries to even to hit the bible and he got nothing it's difficult it takes discipline it's hard work but we need to do it for our soul's sake (laughs) for the soul's of our brothers and sisters in church. This is deep, active pondering of God's word. And 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 what he does, and he a pondering on who God is and what he has done in light of the truth that you read from Scripture. But this doesn't stop in the head. Uh, meditating on God's word is not an intellectual exercise. The goal is for, uh, for us, for this understanding to travel our hearts and down to our hands. It is a head-to-heart uh, meditation. 
we, we, are beho- we are beholding the beauty, the majesty, the grandeur that leads us to yearn for Him, worship Him, and live for Him. Head-to-heart meditation that guides and fuels our worship. A preacher once said, meditation always pursues sweet communion with God. He pursues sweet fellowship with God all the time. The blessed man meditates day and night. This means he pursues sweet communion fellowship with God all the time. Again, when we say meditation, we're not just talking about a monk that secluded himself on a mountain or a forest or a cave where he goes and meditates on God's word. No, when we say meditation, we are talking about a man driving towards Sheikh Syed and somehow he is connecting his driving to the word of God. Uh, We're talking about a mother who is left at home to care for the baby and the children doing daily house chores and connecting it to the Word of God. We're talking about students when they are interacting with their classmates, they are thinking about the Word of God, thinking of ways how to, to insert God's Word in the conversation. This is the employee who is planning his career and future in the UAE, and his planning is connect, he's connecting it to the Word of God. And when he receives his salary, before he spends a single fill, connects it to the Word of God. There are, the, these are the parents, when they are disciplining their children, they are connecting it to the Word of God. This is the applicant in, in Dubai or Sharjah who finally received that job offer but is not hasty to taking that job, but first consults the Word of God. This is the employer when he makes business transactions and dealing with his employees, he again connects it to the Word of God. This is the bachelor and the bachelorette before committing to a relationship, waits patiently and connects it to the Word of God. This is the individual like you and me. When we log in our social media, before we write a comment, post photos, react and share someone else's quotes or videos, and post it on our walls, or visit any site, we pause, we pray, we meditate the Word of God meditating day and night, pursuing sweet communion with God. Psalm 119, verse 97, Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. The blessed man makes God's word the main reference in everyday life. The blessed man is marked by this constant contemplation and internalization of God's word that allows it to shape, direct, and guide his decision-makings, actions, and priorities. 
And he, and as he studies, meditates, and seeks to apply God's word, his heart begins to delight on it, cherishes it. He prays away, and, and, and it affects his way of life. And even, even his happiness are now shaped by the very things that delight God. Psalm 37, verse 4. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. When one delights in the word of the Lord, God shapes his or her heart, so it begins to desire the pleasures of the Lord. The psalmist becomes so captivated by the word of God that it shapes his thinking and his living. Friends, and this was asked earlier in the service, what captivates your heart right now? Whatever captivates our hearts will influence the way we think, speak, and act and prioritize. I do not know what captivate your heart, captivates your heart right now, but the question is, is it marked by one who that is captivated by the word of God? Do we meditate on God's word to have sweet fellowship with him every day? Or do we use God's word to win arguments? Bully someone in social media to make us look good. The psalmist becomes so captivated by the word of God that is continuously shaping him. Let me give you a few ways we can devote ourselves with God's word. First of all, classes. Attend the adult classes. I believe there are classes uh, of Grace Evangelical Church. Do attend these classes. I know your elders would urge you to attend these classes. Your elders know that living in the UAE is transitory, okay? Their co concern is always to think of ways how they can equip you and teach you a foundation, foundational truth of Scripture. So we encourage you, I help, I'm going to help them encourage you to please pursue, please attend, be part of these classes, if you have a Bible study group or community group is what we call in our church, be part of that group. So uh, This is a pretty good-sized number, but just to have life-on-life -life discipleship or just having fellowship, it's better to have a smaller group of people you can talk to. Prayer meeting, prayer service. These are means of grace that God provided this church for us to pray. It's a family time where the word is open, the word is prayed, and the elders and one another knows how to pray for you specifically. Bible study, Friday service, I'm sorry, Sunday service. This is the main meal for the church each week. We ought to think of the sermon as a spirit while feasting or feast to our souls. This gathering, this preaching right now. There is also one-on-one -on -one discipleship relationships. These are some of the means that God uses in order for us to grow and delight on God's word. 
Where is true happiness found? It is found in the meditation of God's word, pursuing sweet communion with him. Number one, what is true happiness? Number two, where, is, where to find true happiness? Third, what is the fruit of true happiness? We see that in verse three to four. He's like a, like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that winds drive, wind drives away. Now, the blessed man is illustrated here as a tree. The streams of Palestine regularly dried up as it goes through different seasons, uh, winter, spring, uh, summer, and fall. Not to sing that song. The imagery here gives us a picture of a season of drought. Trees are always subject to give fruit in its season. It doesn't always bear fruit. But this particular tree, though in a dry climate, thrives because it is transplanted and its source of nourishment comes from something deeper within. It is nourished by the streams of water. Its roots has constant supply of nourishment and water. Though there is no visible fruit due to its season, it stays strong, healthy, steady, and thriving. And its fruits will come out in season that benefits many. It is the same as the blessed man. The external extremities or circumstances in his life does not cause him to weaken or lose his blessedness or happiness. He will always have life in its proper season, will bear fruit that would benefit others because the source of his blessedness, his happiness, comes from something more deeper and more nourishing. And because the blessed man delights on God's word, he will continue serving God. He will continue trusting God. He will continue to put his hope on God. He will continue to be faithful to God. He will continue to hope and cling to God. Friends, let me encourage those who are laboring in the gospel ministry and those of you saints who are suffering as a result of trusting in the Lord and his word. Grace Evangelical Church, as you face difficulties of many kinds, sickness, financial challenges, rejection, persecution, mockery, press on. Continue to put your hope and joy in God and His Word. Stay faithful. If you do not see visible fruit, do not be frustrated. Do not be disheartened. Do not get anxious. Instead, fix your eyes on an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven. And your reward is when you meet your Redeemer face to face and tell you, well done, good and faithful servant. We'll echo that in Revelation 22. The fruit of the wicked man, men's life is like a chaff. A chaff is like a dry outer covering of a wheat or rice. 
It's light, it's empty, it's meaningless, a pile of rubbish. The farmer wants it out in the wind. You know, Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 5 to 8, elaborates Psalm 1. So allow me to read that to you. Thus say the Lord, Curse is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose hurt heart turns away from the Lord. Verse 7, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. He is like a tree planting by, by, by water that sends out its root by the stream and does not fear when he... When heat comes, for its leaves remain green and is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. The wicked man's priorities are always focused on himself, and everything that he does is for his own happiness. But the blessed man has its faithfulness as its fruit. His priority is the happiness of the Father that greatly produces fruits that His children benefit from. Friends, in serving the Lord in the ministry, have you considered the motives of your heart? Have you considered the nature of your fruit? When you teach, mentor, train, disciple others, when you give to the offering, are you doing this for God's happiness or for your happiness? Well, pastor, it can be both. Yes, but it, is it selfless or is it selfish? Are in, intense. Does your fruit benefit you more than it benefits the body? Serve faithfully with the intention of edifying the body and glorifying God the Father. What is true happiness? Where to find it? What is its fruit? Number four and last, how to get true happiness. How can one achieve true happiness? The answer is we can't by ourselves. Here's the truth. As much as we want true and lasting happiness, we never really wanted it, nor can we attain it by our own selves. This is the fallen nature of man. First of all, we want a happiness that is defined by our own terms, which is a happiness that is centered in ourselves. Our pursuit of happiness had led us to lie, cheat, steal, betray relationships, turn us into hypocrites and social climbers, led us to commit acts of immorality, hurt loved ones. It had drowned us in covetousness and had led us to addictive patterns. We want a happiness that is devoid of holiness. This is the type of happiness our sinful nature craves and wants. We, we will never get true happiness because we have failed to do what the blessed man did perfectly. As a result, in verse 5, there is a judgment. The wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. But here's what's interesting. 
The interesting part is that the blessed man in verse 1 is in the singular form. And when he gets to verse 4, the wicked is in the plural form. So we see another contrast here. Could it be that the psalmist has intentionally done this so that, so that it could be used as a device to examine ourselves? Could it be that he wants us to measure ourselves to the blessed man of Psalm 1? The problem is no one measures up. Not you, not me. All of us have failed what the blessed man did. All of us had walked in the counsel of the wicked. All of us had stood in the way of sinners. And all of us sat in the seat of scoffers. We have failed. And we are all sinners. How do we get true happiness? Now, remember, in our second point, we have mentioned that true happiness is found in the meditation of the word. So Psalm 19 verse 7 tells us, The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. How does the word of God revive the soul? Or better yet, who will revive the soul? Friends, the blessed man in Psalm 1 points to the word who became flesh in John 1, 14. It points to the ultimate righteous man, the truly happy man, the truly blessed man. The righteousness of God in 2 Corinthians 5.21 is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the blessed man of Psalm 1. He is the truly happy man. He is the only righteous man who walked not in the counsel of the ungodly. Jesus is the only righteous man that did not stand in the way of sinners. He is the only righteous man who did not sit in the seats of scoffers. Sinners. Jesus is the only righteous, uh, Jesus is the only righteous man who perfectly delighted in God's word. Jesus is the only righteous man who meditated God's word day and night and lived God's word. Jesus is the blessed man of Psalm 1. On that cross is where he experienced the deepest, darkest season of his ministry. But he did not falter. He did not give in. He endured till the end. Why? It is because of the joy that is set before him. In Hebrews 12, 2, Jesus endured and died on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins, and God raised him to life on the third day for our justification. Jesus the Savior is the happy man of Psalm 1. He is the faithful servant that entered to the joy of his Father. Jesus left the joys of heaven in order to bring us to the joy of the Father. Now, whoever repents from their sins and put their place in Christ's finished work on the cross can now enter the joy of his Master. But friends, if we continue to pursue worldly happiness, reject the blessed man, the warning is in verse 6, the way of the wicked will perish. Simply put, 
no Jesus, no true happiness. Isn't that interesting? Because hell is the place where the blissful presence of God does not exist, but his wrathful presence does. The God's undiluted, wrathful presence. And so hell is the absence of God's happiness. So God indeed is the source of our true happiness for eternity. No Jesus, no true eternal happiness. Do you know who are those who will be eternally happy? Psalm 32 tells us, verse 1, Blessed is the one whose sins are forgiven, whose sins is covered. This is the happy news of the gospel. There is forgiveness in Christ to those who repent from sins and trust Christ for salvation. True happiness is not found on the things that we can buy in Dubai or in Sharjah or in the UAE. Or is it found in any human relationship or any human acclamation or, or on getting the dream job that you always wanted, dream salary package, dream vacation, getting higher educational degrees not, or paying your debts, uh, not building your dream houses back at home, not impressive ministry programs, not by having good health or healing, nor enormous wealth. All of these are temporal, grow old, withered, get destroyed, and they die. True happiness is found in a person who died for us for the forgiveness of our sins. True happiness is being in union with the blessed man. How does this benefit us? Well, Romans 5.19 says, So by the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. It is through the blessed man all of us became righteous. That's why there's an invitation in Matthew 11.28 when Jesus says, Come to me and I will give you rest. Jesus promised eternal rest because he is the truly blessed man who gave his life for us. No one can delight on the word of God without Jesus. Does that make sense? You will never enjoy God's word. You will never have that without Jesus. True happiness is found by those who delight in the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for sending your son, your only son, whom you are pleased. Thank you that through Jesus we have true righteousness, true peace, true happiness. We pray as ministers of the word that we would be marked by joy, regardless the extremities of ministry pressures and other challenges that we are facing knowing that our true happiness is not based on our present circumstances, but in our true permanent circumstance because of the union that we have in Jesus. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.